Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Imani Talks Astrology. Wait, I think I already did the intro. It's really funny because there are two lights in my kitchen and one of them goes out consistently. And as soon as I was like, wait, and I had my aha moment that like I've already recorded the intro, the, the second light came on, which was really... Um, funny to me that's all anyway I'm uh, meal prepping so if you hear water and other things that's what you're hearing it's it's like a cooking show it's like Rachel Ray isn't that so great anyway this episode has been incredibly difficult to record because I've taken myself through the emotions of this podcast (laughs) and the things that we're kind of talking about right and you know with everything it's this lots of times I have the the lived experience uh to be able to record um and another thing that I have to remember and I think I, there was so much stuff, you know, that is noted by the intro that I wanted to talk about, um, but a lot of which you guys, if you're interested or if you're ready more than being interested, right, will go look into yourself. Um, this entire summer has been a part of a collective ascension process. I'm not going to completely get into what that is. You can go look into it. I think um, Amanda Ellis is a really good person to look into. Um, if you're like super, super conspiracy theory e, and I put quotation marks around that because we speak about truth around here, um, you can check out Fleur Brune. Um, who are some other people? Uh, no one else that I can kind of think. Um, Aluna Ash. Alex Miles, you know, you can just Google 3D consciousness, Miriam Hasnea, there are so many people who have this information, I'm not that bitch because that's not my job, my job is to serve you guys the gateway drug um, to all the other shit, which is astrology, haha, you're being tricked into ascension and changing the world, haha, I'm such a bad person, anyway, Yeah, and so there were lots of things that I wanted to talk about related to that, but that's just not... It detracted, distracted, detracted, whatever the fuck, um, from the point um, and from a lot of things that needed to be talked about in a very personalized way so that you naturally fall in line with those things anyway. I'm starting to realize that that's what this, this podcast is about or what I'm being used to do through the vessel that is this podcast. Um, and so last week, um, I watched a channeled message, um, from the Magdalene Collective. If you guys have, um, if you follow me on Instagram, you know that I've talked a little bit about, um, the emergence of the Magdalene, um, archetype and and energy Mary Magdalene of course 
Um, and, you know, and seeing it in pop culture, you know, we've seen it in, oh my gosh, uh, FKA Twigs, um, Magnanimous, uh, same root word as Magdalene, it's all connected, right? Um, was one of the dictionary.com words of the day. You guys know how I feel about words. And so this energy and lots of the words that I've seen have been related to this, this archetype and the energy, this archetype. And, you know, one of the, the biggest things that's kind of like came up when I watched that channeled message about, you know, what this, you know, section of, or this embodiment of the, the divine feminine energy is to, to teach us is about the idea of forgiveness. We have to remember that the um, Virgo Pisces axis um, is, of course, we have the virgin at one end and we have the fish at the other end, the fish being the symbol that is deeply related to Christ, right? Um, you know, this It is the embodiment of the, the, the Christ consciousness energy. I was at the um, monument, uh, the George Washington Masonic Monument um, in Alexandria, Virginia today. Um, and one of the pictures, not pictures, the... Um, it was really cool because the um, person who was giving us, me and my, my great Cancerian friend, Lauren, um, a tour was a Mason one, but he also was a tarot reader as well. And so we were talking about um, some of the symbolism that we saw. And so one of the pictures um, that was de depicted in the this um, Knights Templar, <laughs> um, <laughs> In this Knights Templar um, shrine thing that's in this building, we're not even going to get into all that. If you want to get into that um, and Masons and, and shit like that, go listen to Amber Khan's um, Revolutions Rambling podcast, the episode um, called um, A Different World. The beginning, she talks about censorship which is a really good, um, she talks about Alex Jones. I know that might rub some people the wrong way, but hey, it's okay. Um, she talks about Alex Jones and the danger of, uh, you know, the, the censorship that we see on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, it's just a very good um, and interesting conversation, an interesting take on um, the, on uh, what is it called? Uh, censorship from someone who has uh, pretty progressive views. Um, and not to say, you know, I don't know her or everything about her, but she seems to be a relatively progressive quotation marks um, person. So it definitely was a very interesting take and a very, to me at least, needed take on the issue of censorship. Um, and so, basically, the image, sorry, just, ooh, distracted, the image, sorry, I was eating a peach, um, was the 12 disciples, um, 
at the bottom of the stained glass, right? And Mary Magdalene is standing in the center, looking up at Christ, and Christ is being pulled into the heavens by a black hand. That hand, of course, is God. Interesting! Right? And so it was really cool, actually, to talk to him when, um, and he was like, you know, in most, um, in among Masons, the image of God is viewed as a black person, a black woman in particular. Um, This is an idea that we saw in, look, going back to pop culture and occult symbolism, when um, Ariana Grande did her God is a Woman um, performance at the VMAs back in, when was that? Or whatever award show that was, back in 20... 18? Yeah, that was last year. Wow, so much happened last year. Um, yeah, when she did her God is a Woman performance. That was very intentional. Um, and so, you know, we, we talked a bit about that. But the And Christ is uh, in front of this yonic symbol, um, which was also really dope and cool. And it's like representi- representing the return to the universe which is of course the or to the heavens which is you know the womb the thing that creates us or that brings in life is the womb right and so of course he was up in a yoni anyway um uh and so The Pisces energy talks a lot about the intangible work that's done um, that's related to unconditional love, right? That's the the Christ consciousness is about, you know, I love everyone for the way that they are. And, you know, Jesus looks over us and loves us uh, and has sacrificed himself for our sins and is ever present in a very... um, non-physical way right in a very metaphysical way right and you know I will say this this is my thoughts and my opinions I believe that there were two figures of um Christ consciousness because Jesus is not the only individual who's been Christ Christ is a archetype that many ascended masters people blah 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 have held throughout time and to be quite honest of course he is represented as a fish in the in the age of Pisces he is the most um revered and known figure right um of that age of time he just is however the Pisces is represented by two fish not just one And to be quite honest, I feel like that second fish is Mary Magdalene. Um, And we can see that her image and her as an individual has just completely, one, damn near been erased and is desecrated even the right word? It feels like it is, you know, and she's a prostitute and she was a whore and she was a this and blah, blah, blah. And it's like this complete warping of this feminine 
Christ figure, to be quite honest, um, that is representative of the physicality, the physical version of the Christ consciousness, right? And the toil and the ritual and the routine that is faced by the image of purity and the maintenance of purity, right? And often, and the quite opposite of it as well, right? And how those both are ideas and concepts that are very healing. Of course, lots of people talk about Mary Magdalene in terms of her being a practitioner of sex magic, which, you know, I haven't completely done my research about that, but that is definitely uh, something that lots of people think and believe, which would also kind of make sense, right? Especially when we look at the Virgo dichotomy where it's this, you know, idea of, of purity, but on the other side, if anybody knows a Virgo, you also know that they are very freak nasty, right? And so there's both of those things that exist within this this dual individual, this idea of the maiden and the bird, the one that is constrained and, and limited, but the one that also finds freedom in the existence in the physical world, right? I hope that made sense. Anyway, but as the, you know, she was channeling uh, this, you know, person and Miriam Hasnea was interviewing the person who was channeling the messages. One thing that they spoke a lot about was the idea of forgiveness. Um, I had a really great conversation, um, last week with a friend about this idea of forgiveness that of course was coupled with this conversation about Mary Magdalene and who she is as a figure and why she is important and why women have been erased from this idea of Christ consciousness um and especially again in the Piscean age where it's all about the duality and the um union the oneness that's behind the duality but also the that meaning that there also needs to be that balance of the masculine and the feminine to achieve that right and but for some odd reason we're just thrown this imagery of a man <laughs> let's I'm not even going to completely go there because I I will go off. Anyway, because it's not about that. You know, we can't undo that. But what we can do is make sure that we integrate these principles and ways of being into our lives now to make sure that her work and and their work was not, uh, doesn't go, you know, unnoticed and that we give it the attention that it deserves. And one of the things that one of the figures in the Magdalene uh, Collective, specifically Lilith, was talking about was this idea of forgiveness. And in Virgo season, some of the emotional baggage that we face is largely centered around guilt and shame and guilt and shame which also cause anxiety and worry which then causes <laughs> irrational fears of things right is something that any virgo like individual is probably very familiar with there are lots of things within our culture within our world that we have been conditioned uh to be ashamed of and in a lot of ways, because shame is at the root of so many of the, the decisions that we make when we choose to 
overcome the things that we are ashamed of or, you know, begin to transcend those, shame and guilt can also a lot of times reel us right back into those same things or cause us to do things that are incredibly harmful to other people. Which is a really big thing that I saw in in the chart that we'll talk about in a couple minutes, right? And in this conversation that I had about guilt and, and shame and forgiveness, I said, and I still believe, that forgiveness is one of the hardest concepts for people to understand. And not necessarily understand, but to do, right? But I think that forgiveness, especially giving it to other people, has a lot to do with the fact that we have a difficult time also forgiving ourselves. When we think about the type of world that we live in, we live in a world that is very centered around crime and punishment, right? There have been lots of different things that I've seen where people have talked about the idea of rights versus justice, right? Rights are very law-centered. Justice is very human-centered and is in community control, right? And it is something that isn't just about regulation, but about this kind of fluid, you know, adaptable, flexible machine that's willing to kind of bend and fold in the ways that it needs to, to allow everyone to feel and reap the benefits of that things, even those who are transgressors, right? Um, it, but it's always on the kind of like the term of victims. When we have the conversation about restorative justice, I guess I'll share a story about restorative justice that, um, that I heard about uh, like months ago, back in, uh, when was that? This had to be sometime last year. Um, we live in a society where, you know, when we think about things like cancel culture, where it's like, because someone has done something wrong, they need to disappear. You don't deserve to have money. You don't deserve to have this. You don't deserve to have that, right? Um, when you think about, uh, you don't deserve to have attention. You don't deserve to have shit because you did this thing, right? That is what the kind of concept and idea around, um, cancel culture is. We're not going to kind of get into the weeds of what that looks like on for each individual issue. You can discuss that with yourself or your friends or whoever. That's not what <laughs> this is like. Come on. Okay. Anyway, I think you guys get it. We're all adults. We are each responsible for our own triggers. I understand that cancel culture is a difficult subject for people, but it's there and it's a thing and we need to talk about it. You know, then the idea of if you break a law, you need to go to jail, right? And so, like, we're in a time in which we understand and can kind of see, like, look, the way that people are is a lot more nuanced than that. And the idea of things just of punishing people as a way to, and it's really funny that there is, that these you know, cancel culture exists in a time in which we understand that the way that (laughs) we have 
you know, been the bears of karmic retribution or like brought down like the hammer of justice, you know, has been extremely unfair and doesn't allow space for people to grow or become better versions of themselves or to either even, you know, atone and reconcile the things that they do, right? You stick someone in a jail cell and you tell them, you better come out right. And when they don't, we're upset, you know, and we're mad and you're a fucking criminal and we don't want to accept them. And there's no way to integrate that person back into society to even make them a productive member of society anymore, right? We know that our criminal justice system is fucked. But I think it has a lot to do with the fact that we collectively, and I see this in everything, lack a whole lot of empathy for one another. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that there is so much shame um, and guilt that people face around the ideas and embarrassment, which are also is also related to those things in which people face when experiencing or knowing that they could experience something. Here's one example, right? When I look at the way that people talk about people's appearances um, on social media, it is, to be quite honest, disgusting. Um, the way that, you know, people will like screenshot, you know, someone will be like, I need a man who blah, blah, blah. And then somebody will screenshot the picture of this girl and be like, you need a man who what? Like, look at you, right? And you know, this idea of, you know, this whole conversation around like humor and the way that people use humor to kind of (laughs) go around the, you know, to kind of jokingly tell some sort of deep, ugly truth that they actually feel, right? And, you know, this can be seen in in a number of things, you know, and so with that, it's like, the lack of empathy and and understanding that we have for each other where people don't even believe that everyone deserves to be treated fairly this is just if we look at our world based off of the way that it is based on our interactions that we have with one another people there is a hierarchy in which we believe that people are and are not deserving of particular things right this is related to you know, with women, it's about desirability. What is your shape? What does your face look like? What is this? What is that? With men, it has a lot to do with, you know, you know, uh, how much money do you make? What do you do? You know, are, can you do this? Can you do that? Right? All patriarchy, you know, um, with when it comes to race, when it comes to gender, when it comes to sexuality, there are all these paradigms and these kind of boxes that we make people feel like they have to check off in order to have access to particular things. And because those are the rules that govern the world, we use them to kind of check ourselves and we use them to check other people as well, right? And lots of times we check other people through jokes, jokes, and through, again, bringing down the hammer really deeply. You ever notice that a lot of the people who participate in cancel culture in the way that they do are people that literally just o- overcame like their own internalized racism and <laughs> homophobia and whatever it else it is and now they feel like they need to police everyone else's growth process. <laughs> That's it's it's so funny. Haha. <laughs> but you see again that is also something that comes from shame. And it comes from guilt. 
You know, one thing that I see as someone who was previously in the nonprofit industry, I've had this conversation with a number of people where it's like a lot of the things that surround the reason why <laughs> lots of nonprofit organizations, especially in D.C., exist and, and ones that I have worked at is that they've been created from a place of shame and that they've been, again, created from a place of guilt and an unhealed place of shame and guilt in which people are so hell-bent on, you know, trying to outwardly, externally atone this, their inability to see that this injustice was in the world. Oh my God, I went through my life. I was so privileged and I just didn't know that this was a thing and I can't believe it. So now we're going to all dump all of this money into this thing. We're going to treat all the people who are doing this hard work on the ground every single day like shit. And we're going to underpay them because we deserve to suffer in order to make everyone, you know, have a fantastic and amazing life. You know, and it's just this very kind of backwards (laughs) paradigm that's created where you're trying to atone this thing that's in the world right? To the point in which you have created another microcosm of that thing within the space that you've created because you refuse to check this thing within yourself, right? Shame, guilt, you know, I think you guys can pick up that all of these things that I'm talking about and the way that all of these things are kind of expressing and the way that the world exists now is because of this really big lack of empathy (laughs) that we have for ourselves And thus, for other people, how the fuck can we forgive anyone for anything when we can't even forgive ourselves, right? And I think lots of times we have a very hard time, you know, being able to allow the space for people to grow and come into an understanding of something because we're so ashamed that sometimes we didn't get that thing ourselves, or that we didn't understand that thing ourselves, right? And so like, I I feel like this full moon is for a lot of people who are coming into this space where life is just getting really good, you know? And the cybernetic system that has been programmed in all of us to be these empathy lacking, you know, fucking robots is telling us, if only I had did this or did this part that much sooner, it would be different if only I had saw this and if only I had, you know, lots of the themes that have been coming up have been like about secrets that people have had, you know, and I've talked about like secrets in in relationships, secrets in friendships, families, you know, whatever the fuck, whether it's your secrets or somebody else's fucking secrets. And, you know, it being like, if only I had realized this thing about myself or that person or, you know, about these circumstances so much sooner if only I had listened to my intuition, if I had listened to my heart, if I had went in the direction that I was supposed to go in before, none of this would be like this. And it's like, you guys, we can't rue and be engulfed in and, and swirled into the past in this way. We just can't do that, you know? And there's a really big need and a very big call for us to... um forgive and in forgiving ourselves 
there is a really big kind of ability to conceptualize and embody that idea of Christ consciousness and and Christ like love within ourselves that much deeper and and that creates a space in which we're that much more dedicated to what it is that we're supposed to be doing because we're able to accept that we weren't doing what we were supposed to be doing and that was okay it was a learning process you know we can sit around and talk about how if we had did this one thing differently before everything would look different now yeah it would it wouldn't be this moment right it wouldn't have been this really beautiful healing opportunity to see yourself so clearly and to know exactly what direction to kind of go into right when you think about the piscean energy and its relationship to the um the leo energy it's the eighth it's the eighth house of leo right so the operating system of your sun sign self is strongly related to this how do I want to say it or the Leo self is deeply related to this delusion of the world that is formulated through this very kind of heart-centered and empathetic and compassionate way of understanding things but we can also see how that can be painful right but I think what comes from that and, you know, the Piscean nature is a little bit mysterious um, and elusive and, and vague, right? Which, to be quite honest, the idea and concept of unconditional love is also a bit elusive and vague and also is to a certain extent sometimes you sometimes utilize um, to in a manipulative or even a, again, in a deceptive way, right? We can kind of see how viewing the world through rose-colored glasses (laughs) can be a little bit painful. But we also can know that from that space, there is a glimpse at possibility, right? There's a glimpse of what a particular ideal we can kind of shine our light towards, right? in seeing and recognizing the dark, the sickness and the, and the secrets and the vagueness, we know what parts of people and what parts of ourselves need just a little bit more light, right? And then the Virgo energy says, I see what you're saying. I see what you mean about this light and where it needs to be shined. Let's do something practical to make that happen, right? But in order to do that, we cannot get caught up in all of the snafus, all of the times that we've tripped over the wire, all of the times that we kind of fell short of the marker, all of the times that we've failed. Um, And in some instances, we feel like the decisions that we've made have been ones in which we have failed ourselves, right? And the Virgo season energy, as helpful as it wants to be, it can be very easy to fall into that trap, that vacillating trap where you're so much more caught up in the what ifs and the if I did it this way and, you know, bringing down the hammer on everyone who embodies the thing that you didn't do or you couldn't do um, or every mistake that you've made, right? 
it's a time to really practice empathy with yourself, but also really practice it for other people, right? Especially when we're at this point in which there are many departures um, and many people who just, you know, yeah, many departures and lots of people and things that will not be able to come into this new timeline or this new way of being, this true way of being with us, right? And it's not that we're to regret the experiences that we've had with them or these spaces. It's to forgive them, one, for the the parts of themselves that they... <laughs> forgive them, Lord. They know not what they do. <laughs> Basically, right? It's being able to say like, mm, like, let's be real. This is what my forgiveness language is like. It's like, yo, fuck you. I love you, but fuck you. That was fucked up. Um, and I hope that you figure it out. I genuinely hope that you figure it out. And I say that with love. <laughs> That's my idea of forgiveness right now. Um, and an eye roll. But hey, you know, it's being able to do that, not just for other people. Fuck that part, actually. Being able to just forgive yourself, right? And being able to realize in many places in your life where you were really willing to really just like, you know, bring out the scythe, right? Bring out that Saturnian, you know, that scorpionic death energy and just be like, yo, it's time to go. It's time to collect. Bone collector, because fuck you, right? And all of the moments in which we've done that so harshly externally because there's something that we refuse to face in ourselves. I think this is a time in which we realize that a lot of people were right about particular things and you're just kind of seeing that for yourself and it's probably really bothering you because you're like, how did I not see this thing? Again, the Piscean nature of things is that things are always vague and they're, um, and things you, you just can't see them. You just can't see them. And that's okay, right? Um, but being able to forgive yourself for the things that you could not see before and being able to move on, right? I'm going to take a break. Clearly, we're not talking about a tarot card today or anything. Um, and we're just going to dive right into the... Uh, Astrology. Yeah, we'll be right back. Alrighty. I realized I forgot to tell the repro- reproductive justice. Ah! Restorative. Ooh, yes. Re- we need to talk about that. The restorative justice story. I'll just tell it at the end because it's related to the, the Chandra symbol. Um, that. Whoo, y'all. Look. Okay. So, on the. Let me just say this really, really quickly. No, I'll do that at the end. Okay. Anyway. I can't even access my notes because all my apps are closed out because I'm not even supposed to be on my phone right now because I'm supposed to be in bed. I've wasted 40 minutes, seconds of your time. I'm so sorry. Anyway, so the thing about this, the full moon cycle um, and why forgiveness is an incredibly important element of things is that this is the last full moon of this cycle so technically we're closing out the previous astrological year 
right now. Even though it's, you know, culminating and it's cyclical, so it never ends. But let's kind of think about it in that way, right? All of the baggage of the previous astrological year of 2018 and before, we have to let it go. Because from this point forward, of course, with this whole timeline talk, right, we're just moving in a very different direction. You know, 2020 is so close. It's so weird. You know, people talk about the way (laughs) there was this meme that I saw or whatever the fuck it's called of um, two wrestlers. One is like looking like frazzled and there's one behind him that's like sneaking up on him. Right. And on the one that looks like frazzled and, and confused and a little bit disoriented, it says me still processing 2018 and all the other guy, it says 2020, right? And it's kind of like, we're still in the process of working through this literally last year (laughs) during this, during 2019, right? To be quite honest, 2019 feels like a really big filler year. And I say that because astrologically, even though there's so much really important shit that's happening, you know, astrologers have been talking about 2020. Oh, 2020, it's going to be the great conjunction and it's going to have the Pluto-Saturn uh, conjunction that hasn't happened since blah, blah, blah. We're approaching the fucking uh, Pluto return of the United... You know, all of this future talk, right? And people like, oh, when Uranus and... You know, all of this in the future when this thing happens and it's like, yo, we're literally in the year 2019 right now. Can we deal with that, right? And it's because... 2019 in a lot of ways is a gateway or I'm not going to say a gateway, um, a doorway into 2020 and 2020 and the way that it turns out from you for you really being dependent on you being willing to leave behind shit that just doesn't matter anymore. And a really big element of that, which we talked about during the last full moon was acceptance but now being able to kind of move the dial and moving the heart above the head also requires this additional element of forgiveness this is also something that amanda ellis talked about um in her video i think it's called like 30 pieces of silver the original sin or some shit like that um oops, my bad, sorry, where she was talking about us needing to forgive uh, in this whole conversation about Christ and Mary Magdalene and, you know, forgiving Judas, right? Because there was a certain role that he as an individual played within this whole, you know, biblical storyline that wouldn't allow Christ to exist in the way that he does for us today. We could be like, oh, he was bad. Don't he betrayed Jesus was like, well, Jesus would not be Jesus the way that we know Jesus if that didn't happen. Right. Um, And being able to forgive and and, and go, if you're interested in watching the video, go watch the video. I definitely think it's very, if you, even if you don't watch the whole thing, watching at least the first 15 minutes of it, it was definitely very insightful and very, um, even that example right there, I think kind of shows the, the intensity of forgiveness, right? In this conversation about forgiveness that I'm still talking about, you know, we talked about what does, you know, healing look like 
for people. Um, but understanding that healing isn't just for victims, it's also for per- perpetrators as well, right? And when we think about that in the context of some of the really big issues that we deal with, like racism and sexism and, you know, violence against people based off their, um, well, their gender expression, their gender and their sexuality, what does healing look like when healing has to be a collective process? And unfortunately, there is going to be a time in which, you know, if we would like to see a kind of greater healing of these things, that there is an ability to understand that forgiveness is a part of that. And I don't think that that's something that a lot of us are ready for. And that's absolutely fine, right? But it's the important thing and the important step towards that direction is being able to forgive the self, right? There is in the sky right now, and again, this idea of being able to close out this cycle and move forward. In many instances, people have again talked about this in relation to the collective ascension process and this idea of new earth. If you don't know what the fuck I'm talking about, Google is free. Um, <laughs> I say that with love. Uh, close yes, closing up on things from the last end of the last astrolo- astrological year. There is a big air of secrets being revealed or truth being unearthed. Most of <laughs> most of the sky is in the earth signs right now, but not all of the truth that expo- is exposed. There are still messages to be real- revealed, or there is an awareness that something is off or not right, or being asked to make a decision without all of the pieces figured out. Um, I say that because there is no, there is literally not a single planet in a Earth in an air sign. There will be later on in the day when both Venus and Mercury move into Libra. However, at the hour, at the time of this, um, whoa, at the time of this, the full moon, which is twelve thirty three. And this is the 33rd episode of this podcast. Shout out to us. Um, and of course, midnight in the with military time appears as, as zero, right? So it's literally like 33 a.m. <laughs> that is wild. Oh my God. Anyway, so um, the, the synchronicity, the synchronicity, it's insane. There's no air in the sky, right? And so... I say usually that could that can be a bad thing. Um, I am someone who has absolutely no air in my chart. Woo, um, and I would think you guys would think I'm a a pretty art, articulate individual, and you think I'm a pretty uh introspective individual as well. It's all about cult. It's about cultivating it, right? Um, I I say or what I see from that is you will need to trust your intuition. Um, you may be searching for things that are not there. Um, it's about inner knowing. Um, there may be an inability to perceive things in a very logical way. Um, there is a, or make, uh, or there is strong emotional attachment to decisions and people, difficulty adapting, distrusting of others and written words. And again, that goes back to the idea of Forgiveness being a very watery concept that you can utilize um, during this time, especially again when the emotional attachments exist, especially when the emotional attachments exist to 
past versions of ourselves or stories that we've continued to tell ourselves, a really big element of being able to move past that will be forgiveness. So I also said that everyone is either being very emotional or everyone is being a hard ass. And that goes again back to the whole, you know, people are either out here canceling everybody (laughs) or they're out here like, yo, this is hard, man. And it's just, you know, it's fine. Either way, most of the takeaways that people will have will be very tangible, tangible, real and practical. And so I feel like in, you know, with the relationship between water and, and earth, the more that you embrace the intuition and embrace the idea of of forgiveness, I think there will be very tangible ways in which you will see the benefits of that appearing or surfacing. Okay. Most of the planets um, are in the in um, Sun, Mars. Uh, that well, Sun, Mars, Venus, and Mercury are all sitting in the fourth house, which is known as the resting place. So hidden sources. It's about occult. It's about the foundation of happiness. It's things below this the sur- the Earth. So this is why there are lots of things. This is where things come from. This is also related to that concept of the weighing of the soul. Isn't it very interesting how all of the podcast themes have just like slowly just created this really nice story arc that just perfectly is just oh it's just so nice listen to I would encourage you if you haven't listened to them all listening to all of the full moon episodes since airy season so the full moon in in Libra ooh, it's just all of them together just they flow so nicely they just all the themes literally just connect perfectly and it just kind of shows how interconnected all of the luna 1111 um all the lunation cycles are which is really awesome anyway um and so that's why there are lots of kind of secrets related to the self you know related to men related to personal to related to your goals you know and we'll kind of talk about that a, a little bit where all of these just things are kind of coming up um for some people there are maybe a lot of things related to the family um or mother um or there may be some kind of uh tension or awareness around secrets related to cities um or a city of where you're from or a city where you're staying um or a return to a city for some people as well um and that being or a return home um is a part of things or for a lot of people it is an initiation into um occult knowledge or into um higher understanding and 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 higher realms if you are one of those people who who resonates with that i would encourage you to listen to the audiobook version of rudolf steiner's how to know higher worlds it blows you will blow your mind um and then on the opposite end of the spectrum the moon is at the culminating point of the chart which is the midheaven right and so this is related to judgments um to authority figures to accomplishments fame notoriety success reputation 
promotions, raises. And so for a lot of you, you know, it may be that you were promoted or you have reached some sort of level of success that will now be followed by an opportunity to return home, move to a new city, um, create some new goals around, you know, what you expect to kind of do there. So there is this awareness of where you are and this awareness of, you know, in being able to forgive yourself, right? There is this awareness that you possess of how far you've come especially in terms of your your progression and you know for some people that could be you know you see that again like I said the more that you step into that forgiveness thing the more um, things will come up in very tangible ways Um, you may be making more money you may be having more you know speaking engagements and opportunities and just overall being able to see this emergence of a more harmonious and balanced life and you also being able to communicate with people very effectively what it is that you need or what it is that you want in order for your life to be harmonious and balanced which generally speaking sounds pretty fucking positive to me um and I think a really big element uh that makes this very difficult related to you know the you know the whole Jupiter Neptune thing the relationship that it has to the dream that we're cultivating for ourselves Jupiter is sitting in the sixth house so while dealing with all of this energy I think the I of course this also is related to the idea of justice so the sixth house is about servitude and endless toil so it's a question of justice in the transactions between others and there's this question of well, how much do I have to sacrifice of myself, you know, in order for things to be fair? And am I being asked to sacrifice myself? And there was so much of me that had to be sacrificed, you know, within my environment, within the people that I'm around, that had to be sacrificed for things to even reach this point, right? And so there may be an element of of bitterness or even just feeling very tired, um, at this kind of point because of what it has taken to kind of get there. And again, I invite you to embrace the idea of forgiveness. With the, and I think in being able to sit a little bit in the, the Gemini energy and the in the playful energy and be able to open yourself to new ideas and, and possibilities and ways to reframe and reconceptualize, you know, your understanding of this situation, but also it being an opportunity for you to now utilize this newfound understanding of self. You know, well, Gemini is on the 12th house. So I, again, I would invite you to connect, maybe not in a tangible way. Oh my gosh, if this may even make sense. But again, through meditation, you know, dance, Whatever it, you know, meditation doesn't even have to be you just sitting by yourself, right? Whatever it is that you need to do, whatever it's a particular, you know, tradition or um, thing that you can do to help get yourself into that flow space, that space that really allows you to reconnect with, you know, things outside of yourself, um, the with divinity in a way that allows you to be brought the information the the whatever it is that you need to feel this sense of 
of ease and this sense of um, healing um, and ability to accept the invitation of uh, forgiveness. We're being asked to be magnanimous, which was my favorite um, word that uh, came up in the dictionary this this last week. Um, at, words are just so great. Um, anyway, let's see. Going back to this. Yo, cramps are a bitch. Anyway, this whole Mars-Neptune thing. We've talked about it in relationship to, you know, other people and what that's looked like. Um, there have been things, you know... Mars is a phallic symbol. Guns are phallic symbols. Um, and so it is by, of course, that no surprise that something related to this energy has been the, the Walmart gun debate, uh, the Walmart gun thing, right? Which to me was, you know, the most shocking in the best way um, thing that I've ever seen or ever witnessed. Um, also, what else happened in terms of secrets and, and men? Um, the, this also goes back to the idea of, um, well, this, this feeds into the thing that I'm about to talk about right now. So it had came out that the man that it had came out, ha ha, pun, no pun intended, that the man who, um, created conversion therapy, um, for, uh, gay people was, is the gay man himself. Right. And he came out of the closet, Right. And one of the really big things related to Mars, and another thing that's related, um, Papa John's dude founder, who had been caught saying the N-word, has donated money to HBC, to some HBCU. Um, as we know, HBCUs have had a very difficult time, lots of them that are kind of smaller, have had a very difficult time continuing to exist because of the lack of of funding and their very low endowments that they have and in some instances the lack of support that they gain from the states that they're in because many of them are state schools right it's all institutional we know what it is right um and so his him quitting one and then two donating this money that he has right and so the mars and neptune energy is also about the reckoning that we face because of the realization of the pain that is inflicted on others because of our inability to see or face ourselves. I'm pausing because I'm shook. I know you're probably shook too, but there being an opportunity to reconcile with the power of the feminine um, and this uh, whole uh, aspect being deeply related to a shadow ma- the shadow masculine. Remember, Mars is answering, um, is speaking to that um, Chiron in um, Chiron in Aries, and so Chiron in Aries is retrograde right now. This also is kind of what feeds into this this energy, is that it's like you know, with it being in the, you know, with Chiron being in the 10th house as well, our wounds or our identity wounds that we once have or that we're looking to reconcile and and overcome and heal are very public and very visible right now. And it's because a lot of us are stepping into our identity, 
and we're stepping into who we are in terms of our sun sign self, but in terms of our Martian self as well, and being able to advocate and fight for who we are and be very sure about our identity, right? And because of that, we're not perfect at that. For many of us, we're just kind of now stepping into it. And it's kind of like, you know, if anyone's ever seen uh, a baby giraffe, right? And how wobbly it is trying to get onto its legs, right? That's kind of like the energy that we have. And baby giraffes and most baby animals have to learn how to walk pretty fucking quickly. But of course, it's foreign to them, right? And so having to kind of get familiar with this part of you when you've been so used to sitting and gestating in this um, Cancerian womb. (laughs) And now you're just kind of like, whoop, I got to find my footing, right? And because of that, there is a lot that we're being hit with in this awareness of, oh, wow, you know, I've not been myself for so long, but also understanding the the string of lies <laughs> and that we've painted along the way, right? One thing that I mentioned in the Scorpio Uh, Virgo new moon reading and I said to Scorpios and I told them I said if you go back and you watch it I'm like you know this is a message not just for Scorpios or for everyone you have to because Scorpios have been going through this um death rebirth thing again like they do like every other fucking week fucking drama queens anyway um and it's like you know when you die and you come back more Jesus analogies (laughs) people only remember you as one person right they only remember you as the person you were before you died right and so this new person this newborn person people are like who the fuck are you sis like we don't fucking know you who are you who is that and you know for a lot of us we have to, whether it's with our family, with our employer, you know, whoever, we're like, or our friends, we're like, look, this is who I am. Like, I know that you thought that this was the type of person that I am, but I'm letting you know that I know and see myself a lot clearer than I did before. And this is who the fuck I am now. And they're like, well, who the fuck is it that I knew before? Right? And in a lot of ways, having to be honest about who you are and and where you've came from and how you've grown can be very confusing, especially, you know, let's not talk about the people that don't matter. We're talking about in in relation to the people that do matter. It can be really painful and, and difficult for them to to hear that and, and understand that, you know, when like we like listen to like your parents and like, oh, you always be my little girl or my little boy. And it's like, okay, I understand. But like, I'm grown now. And this is who I am. And I'm an autonomous being. And this is who I'm being. And this is how I am. You know, and people just not being able to get that. Right. And that can be really painful. And it can kind of cause a lot of, you know, confusion. It can cause imposter syndrome. It can cause, you know, a lot of just anxiety and worry and guilt and shame that you know for so long you weren't yourself or you weren't honoring yourself and that can be very difficult to kind of deal with and we're being asked to do that 
and we have the opportunity to reconcile that in a very tangible way. I'd say especially, you know, this is a full moon. I would encourage you to spend a little bit of time alone um, and just allow and wait for the opportunity to, to really have those really good heart-to-heart conversations that are just naturally going to kind of come up and happen within the next couple of weeks, especially when um, Mercury and Venus are in Virgo. Um, I definitely would say, you know, the week and weekend after the full moon would be a great do- time to do that, right? When we're at the full moon cycle, uh, it is the culminating cycle. So it's about awareness and everything after that, when the moon is waning, is about application. And it's being able to say and talk to people about what it is that you know. And I think the more that you're able to think about and you know, as you work through this this cycle and these things and, and you forgive yourself, you'll be that much more able to open the door for other people to be that much more accepting and, and in some cases forgiving and, and understanding and and be able to lead you or follow you into this new place or this new space that you're going into. But there also needs to be an understanding that some people not be able to join you with that. There's a sextile between Pluto and Saturn in the south node. It's about, and it's in the setting place, which is the descendant. So it's all about letting go and forgiving, forgiving self and realizing what can be done to repair it. But also, what is the debt for the trauma that's been caused, right? And so this is for, this is, it depends on this is doesn't have to necessarily relate to you. It could relate to people around you. I definitely would say with the stories that I shared with you with like Papa John and this guy, you know, who created con- fucking conversion therapy, they do have to reconcile their and sit in, to be quite honest, uh, and pay for the things that they've done right and and the and the way that that's hurt people and Walmart has to do that as well when we think about you know the gun sales and you know people be black people being killed by the fucking police um for having open carry in Walmart just for fucking being black um and in the face of so many <sighs> different instances of mass shootings that have happened over I'd say even in the last 10 years and over the summer it has been insane and them not fucking doing anything and I'm pretty sure there's probably going to be some tanks in the sales that they feel you know rightfully that they get probably from the you know angry gun-toting people of the bible belt um but it's like you know there will be something there will be some cost even in being able to reconcile that thing and being able, oh, I'm going to do this. Oh, I'm going to admit that I was wrong. Oh, I'm going to pay this money. I'm going to do this thing. You know, it's like, okay, that's cool that you've reconciled that thing in a physical and tangible way. But now we need to, you know, the weighing of the heart is a part of this. We need to balance the scales emotionally too, right? And so there being something that has to be felt or done because of the again the trauma that people have inflicted upon other people and so it definitely is a again a very big kind of reckoning energy um that I sense 
sun and Mars are talking up to each other about what needs to be fixed. So when the sun and Mars were conjunct a couple of days before, I believe possibly the 6th or the 7th, um, there was a conversation about, you know, of the things that we have this awareness of, because the sun is literally sitting in the lowest part of the chart. It's sitting where all the secrets are hitting, hidden, especially, again, about masculinity and about um, the divine masculine as an, as an entire collective, right? It's Mars is having this conversation with Chiron and in its public view of the wounds of the masculine and the things that it's done to us collectively. And to be quite honest, a really big element of that is this whole crime and punishment element thing that is deeply related to this um, and this kind of warlike energy that's also there as well that also has a lot to do with the culture that exists within our world that allows us to look at something so strong, you know, as forgiveness as weak or unnecessary. You know, when you think about how people scoff at the idea of forgiving people for doing something wrong, you know, we were like, oh, you're better than me. I couldn't do that. You know, just, I, I encourage you to kind of think into the way that we think about the way that we view, um, forgiveness as a society. Like it, it, as a concept, we just don't really, it's not something that's really accepted you know I remember and this you know during the uh Charleston 9 um mass shooting that had happened um and when one of the church members uh talked about being able to forgive uh, one of the women who had survived talking about um being able to forgive um what happened and even in my own household, talking to my family and even among social, across social media, there was just this anger that people felt towards this woman for forgiving. Now, you know, and I get it. I really get it, um, especially as someone who, you know, that entire tragedy was disgusting you know and the way that people were lost um when they were in their place their safe place and in their place of worship um because someone is a fucking racist and a white supremacist right and so it's things like that right um, these very big things that need to be healed within our world. But when we realize the things that, one, have to be reconciled for the things that people do, right? Like there is a punishment that must be inflicted upon you because you did this thing. But there also is within the way that our justice system and the way that we and I put quotation marks around the justice system because it's not a justice system. It's an injustice system. It's an unjust system, right? Um, there is no feminine element to balance that out, right? 
And so we're being invited into the space to cultivate that within ourselves and be able to cultivate that in the external world. I believe that's a long time coming, but again, it starts as an individual. I hope it starts individually. I hope that you guys kind of understand what I'm trying to get at. Moon and, and, and Neptune. So lots of times when you read about moon, Neptune aspects, they talk about like vague emotions and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, eh, I don't, I don't agree. Um, moon and Neptune, it's a call for emotional empathy and compassion. Compassion being at the front, at the forefront of our world, Right. And the cancer, it's all answering to the cancer ascendant, um, which is, uh, yeah, the ascendant is cancer. And so the north node is there. And so again, this divine feminine womb energy, um, if you haven't, um, my awesome, amazing astrologer, Elmina, she has her channel, Malima Alchemy on YouTube, and she has a, um, a, um, video about Chiron in Aries and the divine masculine and the divine feminine healing that comes from the north node in cancer and she talks about this Piscean energy that's in its relationship to the moon to the to the womb and, and the universe and also you know the nurturing energy of cancer as well right and that also speaks to the imagery that I spoke about before but it also speaks to this um this overall kind of theme of, of what's happening right now, I definitely would encourage you to go watch it. It is amazing. It's about 15 minutes long. She's a lot more succinct than I am. Her uh, Mercury is in Mars. No, I'm sorry. Her Mercury is in Virgo while mine is in Pisces. So I'm a little bit long-winded. Anyway, Cancer Ascendant, can we lead with nurturing mother love? Can we lead with the love that allowed this universe to exist, that allowed us to exist, right? And that be an understanding that sacrifice is not about weakness, that forgiveness is not about weakness, compassion is not weakness, right? And that vulnerability is strength, right? There is one thing that I've talked about um, with friends is that even in this existence of the uh, mainstream feminist movement, there still seems to be a distortion and a shame that is still attached to the idea of femininity. And there seems to be a lot of distorted ideas around the idea of femininity that still kind of come up in the movement, right? We think about the idea of the book Lean In, right? Where this woman is basically just like, yo, here's how to be like a man, but like be a woman. And it's like, why are you telling us that participating in this patriarchal capitalist structure is like the key to woman empowerment, right? And to be quite honest, that's what a lot of, again, mainstream, and I'm not talking grassroots people who are out here in these streets doing this hard work, right? A lot of the mainstream, you know, programming and information around, you know, feminism is related to. It's not about a deep understanding and respect um, for femininity at its core and in all of the ways that it expresses itself, right? And in all of its facets. 
and again, we can see that through the way that our world looks, right? And so there is this need to reframe the understanding of femininity and understand where it is lacking in our internal checks and balances systems, but also in the external ones as well, if that makes sense. A question that I wrote is, what does healing look like? Is related to the moon in Neptune. And so there is this opportunity to explore that within ourselves based on, you know, this realization of the the trail of destruction <laughs> that we've kind of left behind us as we've refused to see ourselves, but now step into ourselves, right? Knowing what it looks like to heal that. The dream requires us to heal ourselves and each other. This was another really big thing, right? So that again, that Jupiter-Neptune conversation is saying, yo, you have this dream, but a very critical and important part of this dream is the healing that you do for yourself, but the healing that and the healing that that inspires for everybody, right? This dream and this way that you're cult, this thing that you're cultivating allows you, as I've just said, you know, in the Virgo season episode, to show up in the world more whole and in the way that the world needs you to, right? This is so great. Let's read the Chandra symbols. So one of the things, I had wrote this list of things to talk about um, and oop, didn't talk about the Grand Cardinal Cross. It's okay. It's, we don't, it's not that important. Well, it is because I'll just say this. With that, the, 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 um, the question is what way to, what is the way to proceed, right? We have lots of different ways that we can uh the lots of ways that we can embody this energy it's a grand cardinal kind of cross right because there's nothing in libra right now we just have the um that virgo mercury and venus will soon become a libra virgo libra venus and mercury right but they're not for now um but when they get there that grand cardinal cross will be there and so this question of what is the way to proceed will kind of happen and i do encourage people to lead with that nurturing mothering love that the north node in cancer is acting asking us to do our chandra sim so as i was saying i had wrote this list of things that i wanted to talk about and i just to kind of go through oh my god i have to unlock my apps hold on um this one thing that kind of came up so let me read this list of things. So the card that came up was the hermit. Again, we kind of talked about this star of David energy that is important, but not incredibly important. Well, it is. And the idea of hexagrams, I kind of wanted to talk about the I Ching, wanted to talk a bit about Dr. Strange. Of course, clearly none of these things happened when the time is right. The time will be right. Another person that I felt really called to talk about was Moses. Um, when I looked at the picture of the hermit card in the Byzantine tarot deck, while it was not Moses, that is the word that was whispered to me, right? Um, and I was like, okay. And then I wrote Mount Sinai. 
And I was like, okay, what does that have to do with that? And then I looked and I was like, oh, that's where the burning bush was, according to biblical lore. Like, interesting, cool. So let me read these Chandra symbols. Put a pin in what I just said, right? Mind you, I wrote these notes. Let's see. August 30th, 2019, 6.02 p.m. Today is the, the 8th when I'm recording this. A royal coat of arms. So Virgo 22 degrees is the sun. A royal coat of arms enriched with precious stones. The certification of aristocratic status. At whatever level nobility expresses itself in cultural eminence. Once more, a reference to ancestral achievements occurs among these symbols for the sign Virgo. It is seen here in its most exalted character for royalty is spoken of. Traditionally, the king is the spiritual symbol of unity of an integrated nation. As a coat of arms is visualized, we are dealing with a status that is not merely personally acquired, but its roots in a notable past. Every great adept has come out of a line of human beings who have made their marks upon human evolution. Spiritual attainment is the result of a series of long, repeated efforts. It is the end of a royal road, Raja Yoga, in the broadest sense of the term Raja, meaning king. The second sage symbol contrasts with that of the first in that it refers to hereditary rather than to the training of a youthful raw material. Gwatma the Budma was known occultly as he who comes after his predecessors. The coat of arms represents a collective status, the spiritual office. Whoever wears it assumes the responsibilities of an office. As the French say, I'm not saying that. <laughs> Nobility confers upon a man exacting responsibility. The question implied in the symbol is, are you willing, able, and ready to assume a royal office at whatever level it may be? So as we kind of come into this awareness of self, and I'd say the masculine um, within ourselves and externally understands the, um, because we all have an inner masculine and inner feminine, right? The masculine collective internally, as well as the divine masculine as an entire collective, there is this understanding of what needs to be fixed and the responsibility that one must step into to right the the wrongs or to reconcile the things that have happened and that there is this greater knowledge that comes from below this whether it be occult knowledge or this you know knowledge of mothers of family of whoever of the womb of the divine of the divine feminine you know that provides this insight and this foundation for what healing can look like and what needs to be done and the ability and the need for us to step into that right again the dream requires us to heal ourselves and each other now here is the part that is going to be very ironic given the fact that I wrote these notes about Moses on August 30th and I 
pulled up this information about this podcast on uh what date was that september 5th (sighs) pisces 22 degrees a prophet carrying tablets of the new law is walking down the slopes of mount sinai the need to bring down to the level of everyday existence the clear realizations made manifest in a great peak experience the symbol obviously refers to moses after he received from the god of his people the basic principles upon which a new religion and even more a new ritual of living should be founded the basic law has to be brought down it represents a descent of formative and structuring power a divine revelation the type of revealed knowledge contrasts with the kind of knowing born out of the experience of touch of feeling of warmth of contact the second stage symbol pictures a process to which a religious god-given character has been attributed in the past but which today is being investigated at the personal and psychological level. The important point here is, what do you do after you have a peak experience, an inner revelation? The key word mandate is appropriate, but the basic problem is how to fulfill it in the right spirit. So in the things that we talked about, right, you know, when we talked about specifically these two really big examples that have been in in pop culture around a wrong or a thing that has kind of been transgressed and this awareness that people have, these individuals have kind of came into their, of themselves, the universe is now like, okay, cool. How are you going to act? Now that this secret has revealed, and for a lot of you, these secrets have nothing to do with anybody else except your fucking self. Now that you know this about yourself, what is it that you're going to do now that you, you know, when they say, you know, better, you do better. Right. And so now what does doing better for you look like now that you know the, the code or the mandate that you must abide by the, the structure, the principles upon which you must stand by for you to step into yourself. Right. This new religion, this is you being you right now that you know that. Now that you know what that looks like, and now you know how to never ever again make another transgression against yourself in that way, of course, life, you know, there will be many ups and downs, but I feel like the, this awareness point that people have reached is a very profound one. And it has allowed this very kind of major shift. And again, this very like obvious jump in timelines that you're kind of making in, a time, in the terms of the direction that you'd like to go in. This is a whole new self. And now that you're this whole new self and you are embodying this religion of whoever, whatever, say your name, whatever the fuck your name is, um, being whatever the fuck your name is. So Imani being Imani in this case, now that you know what that looks like or what that, what it takes to uphold that, now you must look back and see who and what can be brought along on that journey with you. And what things need to be reconciled to be able to get there. 
as well, right? Especially in terms of the things related to yourself. Again, you're looking back and you're seeing this path of destruction that you've left. (laughs) I think one important thing to kind of mention in the story of Moses, which is, you know, very kind of fascinating. He, what kickstarted this journey, him, of course, being able to, the thing about this new religion that he found and these principles, which were the Ten Commandments, right? Is that this was information that was freeing for his people, that would allow you know him being of an enslaved group of people. This was the information that was able to liberate them because it allowed them to create a world in which they did not have to live in subjugation. These rules and these regulations or these principles, these commandments allowed them to create a world in which that would never happen again. And the needs of the individuals within that space and of that people would be met and protected because of these commandments, right? And because of this kind of way of existing and living. But before all of that even got there, you know, in in him being part of an enslaved group of people in ancient Egypt, he, what really pushed him in terms of his idea, and this is all going to loop together really nicely in a nice little bow, you know, what created this, you know, need to find, you know, justice and liberation uh, for his people was seeing someone having a transgression done against them, right? He saw a slave master beating a um, one of his people, um, and it likely he was trying to beat him to death, right? And so Moses ended up killing the slave master, right? And so after doing so, um, it was became clear that word kind of started to get around and he was probably going to get caught up for what he did. And so he completely left um, and deserted, you know, his people. Yeah, he left everyone behind. Um, because of this thing that he did in which he viewed as a transgression, albeit it was an expression in which there was justice that needed to be made, but it also kind of made all hell break loose, right? Because what happened to his people while he was gone is that they continued to exist in this world of enslavement and subjugation, and it probably was a lot worse than when he was there. And before he did this thing, right? And so in him fleeing away, he steps into and assumes this role of a shepherd. Now, of course, a shepherd is someone who tends to sheep, um, someone who, but it is also someone who watches over, looks after, or guides somebody figuratively, right? This is also what we call the pastor of a church or someone who guides others in religion. But when we, oops, my phone locked out because I'm not supposed to be on my phone at midnight. Anyway, um, oh, it's Goddess Gate. Woo, it's 9-9. Shout out to us. Anyway, um, we all are a shepherd of of something, right? And to me, this this talk of someone who watches over or looks after or guides somebody is 
you know, as Lulu from House of Oshun talks about, she talks about being in alignment with your star player. Who is your star player? Your star player is your higher self, right? It is you in another dimension being able to look at you and be like, yo, do this thing, right? And so in this alignment of that, there is a certain guiding role that you kind of take, but there's a certain amount of guardianship that you have over yourself and your identity and the person that you're ultimately showing up to be that allows you to be a guiding light and a source um, of wisdom and a principle for other people, whether that is intentional or not, right? And that has a lot to do with the, the Aries energy. What do Aries people do? They inspire people, right? Going back to that Chiron and Aries element and Chiron being all up in the 10th house, right? And so you and your healing being able to uh, serve as an inspiration to other people, um, even though there's also <laughs> a little bit of pain that it's caused as well, right? But when he leaves, you know, he leaves and clearly he left because there was a certain amount of shame um, and guilt and fear that he felt based on what he did. But when he left and in this place of isolation and insight, he was able to see the things that would heal and reconcile what he has done, right? Because despite the fact that he killed, he literally killed somebody, right? God still was like, yo, you're the person I want to deliver this message. I think you're important enough to share this information. And I also think that you're powerful enough to free your people. So like you should go do that, right? And again, this goes back to this idea of restorative justice, in a very biblical way, where this individual who, in a way, took matters into their own hands to find justice, right, in a way that maybe even they didn't accept or wasn't even necessarily societally acceptable, was then able to find a, something that would, would heal his people, um, and he was able to come into newer ways of understanding and, and a new way to be able to kind of bring justice and healing, freedom and liberation um, to his people, right? Um, and I think that kind of, I hope that makes sense in the grand scheme of what I've just said. I, I definitely believe that it does. Um, and I think a really big question is... Or one thing that I wrote, because, you know, one thing that I wrote down was, you know, who are your people? Because this is also a really big element of of things because Uranus is in Taurus. And so there is this really large, you know, awareness of the groups and people that you are not necessarily, well, I will say indebted to. And the people that are counting on you, and to be quite honest, if we're all a collective, we're all banking on and indebted to one another, right? And so it's like, who are your people, your family, the intersection of, of your identity, a particular community, all of these people are banking on you to stand in your light, whether they know it or not, you know, whether it is you've ran away, um, or whether you've became a different person, or whether you believe that you are worthy or able to kind of step into this particular role because of something that you did or did not do in your past that does not matter, right? Your higher self, the, the divine, has a, a greater plan for you, right? And has an understanding that, look, 
you know, you, despite all of that, I forgive you for all of those things that you've done. Do you forgive you for all of those things that you've done? Whenever you're ready to do that, it's full speed ahead. We, we got shit to do, right? And so this stage of things is incredibly important because of, again, we're about to be blessed with some big bags, with some big, you know, for some people, fame, for some people, notoriety, promotions, you know, uh, fucking just more money, being able to live a more harmonious and balanced life, being able to get that much closer to the dreams that you've been waiting for. But a lot of what is stopping or in the way of that cycle is our inability to forgive ourselves and then allow ourselves to step into and recognize our own power. In uh, If anyone has heard of the vice versa tarot, it um, has two sides on each card. One is the, the forward facing, the part of the card that we see, and then there is a reverse image of it um, or uh, the, the back of that image on the other one, right? Or a different perspective of that same card. And on the world card, you can see, you know, the world is the woman or the androgynous figure that's like floating through this reef, right? And we see the person almost at the reef on the back of the, uh, in the vice versa deck, right? And it's like this cue in the, in the, the, um, and this is just so perfect. Um, I think that the card for this episode is the world because this is a culminating cycle. Back in Gemini season, when we had our Sagittarius full moon, it's always the mutable seasons. Mutable seasons are always about endings and about moving on to the next thing because it's this in-between cue stage that we're awaiting to go into the next one. You know, that one was about the fool's journey, right? And this one is about the world. And it's kind of like we're stopping ourselves from walking through this door. And it may come up as you feeling like there are residual things that are, you know, not dealt with. Again, I said, maybe searching for things that are not there. Yeah, you're searching for things outside of you when the one thing that you need to do is turn within yourself and forgive yourself so that you can close this part of things out and move on to the next one full speed ahead, right? The last symbol that we'll talk about is 29 degrees Virgo, which is where we find Mercury and Venus. Virgo, 30 degrees. Totally intent upon completing an immediate task a man is deaf to any allurement. Total, the total concentration required for reaching any spiritual goal. This is the final symbol of the first half of the cycle. Oh, wow. Yeah. See, the first in, the, in an astrological mandala, Aries through Virgo is all about individualization. Libra through Pisces is all about collectivization. That's why... Libra season and beyond is about to be very different. This full moon and beyond is about to be very different. This final symbol of the first stage of the cycle. In the year cycle, 
The fall equinox is now at hand. Autumn begins. Through spring and summer, many ways and byways have been experienced. The last message of this hemicycle of individualization is that of an all decisive occasions, what must that is that on all decisive occasions, what must be done has to be done so intently that no outer voices can penetrate the mind, still less the soul. The neophyte stands at the gates of the sacred pyramid. There is only one step he can take, ahead, or he is lost. This is the culminating step, the decision that results from a myriad of small choices. Still, a shadow of hesitation can remain. Attention may be distracted from the now by a voice from the past, glamorizing some old memory. The outer doors of perception and thought must be closed so the soul can complete its conquest of illusion. And I love that Rudyard mentions my favorite author, which is Aldous Huxley, in the final stage of this book. I hope this episode was helpful. I hope that it was insightful. I, in recording it, it has definitely been a emotional roller coaster for me that I have kept inside of me because Virgo moon. <laughs> and I definitely have some thinking to kind of do myself um, about where I haven't um, forgiven myself. Um, and some of the things that I need to do to atone things for my people. Um, and I mean that in every single way, right? Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week talking about Saturn going direct, which is going to be exciting. Thank you so much. Talk to you soon.